This episode is brought to you by Bond Charge, who were formerly known as Blue Blocks. They are the original science-backed brand providing fashionable Australian-made blue light management and red light therapy products, as seen in Vogue, GQ and L. Jess, I have a quick science lesson for you. The sun is the most natural source of blue light, and rather cleverly, our brains use the light from the sun to regulate our body clocks. When the sun starts to set, this signals to our brains to start producing melatonin, which prepares us for sleep. However, with more and more artificial blue light products in our everyday lives, this quite understandably confuses the F out of our brains. Enter Bond Charge. They have a range of products which filter down harmful artificial blue light, which come from sources like our phones, laptops, tablets, TVs, and even LED light bulbs. In fact, Harvard University found that too much exposure to blue light not only disrupts our sleep, but can increase our risk of multiple health issues. As some of you may know, our favourite product of Bond Charge is the blue light blocking clip light, which is the most perfect reading light, particularly before bed. Its red light is not only cosy and easy on the eye, but it's been proven to stimulate melatonin production, which improves sleep. Hurrah! It perfectly clips to your book, it's rechargeable and the light is easy to manoeuvre. It's been a real game changer. It's a perfect size and super lightweight, which means you can have it on you wherever you go, whether you're traveling, using to read before bed, or even just need to get up in the middle of the night and don't want to turn on an overhead light. Their website is great and breaks down all of the science behind their products, so head to www.bonnecharge.com and use code BOOKRECOS15 for 15% off all their products. Welcome to Book Crackos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Crackos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. Summer is over and everyone is getting excited to light candles, get under blankets in their knitwear and rewatch Gilmore Girls. So we are going to recco a few books which are just perfect to read during autumn for those cosy vibes. Go and get a hot chocolate and settle in, guys. It's about to get autumnal. I'm still mourning summer, if I'm honest, and I don't know how I feel about all these Instagram mm. posts and memes about wanting like big blankets and wearing coats again. What's your stance, Lauren? Well, I'm not there yet because I'm going on holiday tomorrow. Four or five days You're to really Spain. Dragging it out. Nice. So I'm dragging it out. This is like last of the summer vibes. I'll be back and then I'll be ready for cozy knits and hot. We're having a last hurrah. I am. Yeah. My last. This is my last stint of freedom, and then work's about to get manic. Yeah. So, good one um, for getting this in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. This is my last hurrah before my um, social life becomes non-existent until October seventh. Okay, not too far. Yeah. I thought you were going to say like end of October. No, no, no. October 7th, you know, I'll be back for autumnal season. I'll be back for Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> um, I am excited to read in the bath again. Mm. It has just simply been too hot. In fact, the last bath I had was on the cusp and I just sweated the whole time and it was so stressful. I couldn't even read. So I'm excited for hot baths now that you've um, taught me how to read in the bath. <laughs> 
Yeah, so am I. And I love that you're phrasing it as I taught you how to read in the bar. You like honestly did. I couldn't do it before you taught me. And also that sounds like you like I know that's me in the what bar. I mean. <laughs> like step one, like a lesson, you know. I mean it kind of was like that. Um, but yeah. <laughs> it was a factual. Uh, but yeah, on the whole, I am very much excited to rewatch Gilmore Girls this season and maybe even a bit of Grey's Anatomy because that's like quite cozy watching and do all the things that one does come autumn. Yes. Like listening to Folklore <laughs> and Evermore by Taylor Swift. <laughs> they so reek of true. awesome. Um, I think she even talks about this like your knitted sweater or something one of her all of lyrics. them all of them they're all autumnal vibes and i've seen she's got a new album Swifties. coming out as well this is what i'm about to say i oh. don't really keep up with t swiz but i've seen from all the swifties she's got a new album and it fucking comes out in october she is she leaning into autumn yeah she knows her brand she knows when people are a bit moody and they want you know some some more melancholic colic yeah melancholy yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's her vibe. She knows it. She knows her target audience. She's on brand. So, yeah, I am excited for Folklore and Evermore again and whatever this new one is. But I am really sad to lose Harry Styles' new album, Harry's House, which has really been my backing track this summer. I'm not a huge Harry Styles fan. Mm. Um, Partly because, do you know what? I actually can't get over the growth and the complete personality 180 and rebranding of Harry Styles. Harry Styles was the one in One Direction who, when Matt Cardle won the X Factor, was caught on TV whispering into Matt Cardle's ear. You can lip read it. Think of all the pussy you're going to get. <laughs> we all saw that, right? He then was this bad boy with Taylor Swift and Caroline Flack and everybody hated him as this scumbag. He turns it around to wearing flares and colourful shirts and everybody loves him and sees this as his like big, wholesome icon. I just don't understand how he did it. I guess it's he's done wonders for like gender fluidity though, hasn't he? He has, but he's out really of helped. nowhere. Yeah. Think of all the pussy you're going to get. Doesn't <laughs> scream, I'm gender a nice guy, <laughs> you know? And yeah. somehow he's done it. And I used to despise him based on all these things. And now I'm like, turn up the music, sushi for a music for a sushi restaurant absolutely love it just on my way listen to Harry Styles or something I'm sad so true speaking of Hazard um Jess I thought you looked very glam at the Don't Worry Darling premiere this week uh (laughs) (laughs) I look like Florence Pugh (laughs) yes (laughs) or Florence Pugh looks like you wherever you want to look at it well yeah, I'd never, I don't know if I've said it before, but my friend was once, she was in the cinema watching Little Women and texted me to be like, you look like Florence Pugh. And I was like, <laughs> never, never been told this before. And then showed my boyfriend a picture of Florence Pugh on the red carpet. And he was like, no, nope, didn't look like you. And then I found a picture of her with a messy ponytail and no makeup. And he was like, oh God, yeah, that actually does look like <laughs> So yeah, me and, me and Flozza, Twins. Yeah. And you know what? I'm also on Don't Worry Darling. I'm living for all of the memes Oof. coming out of this car crash that has been a publicity drive. It's like fucking mental. And this Harry spitting on Chris Pine thing. I just have you seen he did a concert last night. I yeah. follow what's it? It's called Shit You Should Care About. And they posted a video that a fan had taken at his concert 
where he says, just got back from Venice where I spat on Chris Pine and everyone like cheers and laughs. But I don't understand what's going on. And Have yeah. you seen the video? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to really keep up with all the drama. <laughs> I mean, it is the question on any, everybody's lips. Did he spit on Chris Pine or not? It certainly looks like he did. And um, he has said it at a concert. But is he doing it to just rile everyone up, you know? It's pe- Harry's PR person who did that one on his personality <laughs> and has probably also been involved in all this drama deserves a medal. Yeah, and they're like, what can we throw at them next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jess, should we actually talk about some books? God, if we must. Okay, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> so this episode we decided because in summer there's a very there's very much a summer vibe for reading books it's romance bit of travel some nostalgia you probably want it to be easy to read so you can be really hot on a sunbed while you read it mm-hmm. but autumn is different <laughs> we want a little we want it to be a little bit darker we want it to be cozy we want a bit of family drama you yeah, know like reading with Gilmore a candle Girls. come on yeah and so with pumpkin that, spice and not all things nice Oh my, is that a phrase from somewhere? No, I just made it up. Here we Laura go. and I love it. Maybe you're the PR person. <laughs> um, so yeah, different vibes and we're going to be in records for those vibes. Love it. All right, Jess, do you want to do us the honours of kicking us off with that autumn aesthetic that everyone's after? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a clear brief here. Have you met the brief? Very clear brief. Okay, so... As I said, I feel like, for some reason, (laughs) family drama really reeks of autumn for me. And so I'm going for one that I read, I think, last year and still haven't talked about, even though I've been dying to, and is so, so good. But it's scary to look at because it's like 500 pages and it's a bit of a brick. But it's fab. And that is The Most Fun We Ever Had by Claire Lombardo. Um, I'm yes, actually going to be reading this. Yeah, I'm going to give the synopsis from Goodreads because it does a really brilliant job of setting the scene in a way that, like, the, the official blurb doesn't. So, a multi generational novel in which the four adult daughters of a Chicago couple, still madly in love after 40 years, recklessly ignite old rivalries until a long buried secret threatens to shatter the lives they've built. When Marilyn and David fall in love in the 1970s, they are blithely ignorant of all that's to come. By 2016, their four radically different daughters are in each a state of unrest. Wendy, widowed young, soothes herself with booze and younger men. Violet, a litigator turned stay-at-home mum, battles anxiety and self-doubt when the darkest part of her past resurfaces. Liza, a neurotic and newly tenured professor, finds herself pregnant with a baby she's not sure she wants by a man she's not sure she loves. And Grace, the dawdling youngest daughter, begins living a lie that no one in her family even suspects. Above it all, the daughters share the lingering fear that they will never find a love quite like their parents. As the novel moves through tumultuous year following the arrival of Jonah, given up by one of the daughters in a closed adoption 15 years before, we are shown the rich and varied tapestry of the Sorensen's past, years marred by adolescence, infidelity and resentment, but also the transcendent moments of joy that make everything else worthwhile. Oh, wow. You're it's right. Drama, 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 drama. The drama doesn't stop, <laughs> but it also isn't. It's a character driven novel, not a plot one. 
Okay. But obviously it sounds like there's loads and loads of plot going on. Yeah, that's what I thought. It doesn't feel like you're constantly like unfolding all these new things and you're like... Is it more like the plot's just revealed to you up front and the rest of the book is people dealing with that? No, because Jonah does turn up not immediately, but like there's Mm -hmm. a bit of an intro and then he comes and there are a few sort of, I wouldn't call them plot twists, but like big plot moments. But yeah. But on the whole, I think because you're like so bought into the family and all the different daughters, you're just, you're really happy. It's a page turner because you just want to know what's going to happen to each of them rather than like what's happening with the plot, if that makes sense. Yeah. This sounds right up your street as well with all your sisters. Exactly. And it's like when I read Malibu Rising and the reason I loved it was for like the sibs. That's yeah, sure, siblings. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a modern day little women, I think is the way to describe it. There's four sisters, they're all really different, they've all got different shit going on. They're loved by their parents. Their parent, you know, it's it's modern day. I love that. Did you put that in your review when you posted it? No, I didn't. This I feel like you should because that is I That's can see that sold. written on the title, you know, the on, PR the, on the front person. page. Would yeah. sell it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this mythical PR person. Yeah, it's it's um so good. And like, like what's really clever about it is like the characterization versus the plot and how like one feeds the other. And Oof. and I love how the parents are like so in love after so many years. And usually in books like when there's unhappy parents the children sort of blame their unhappy upbringing yeah. and their parents bitter marriage for it but actually the kids who are now grown up blame how happy their oh, parents God. marriage was on what, like, like unrealistic expectations yeah and so it's just kind of clever because you only ever really hear about yeah the other way how parents that stay together when they shouldn't have such a bad effect on the children and divorce and everything but the and that a happy marriage is supposed to be one that's amazing, but in this book, it kind of spins on its head. Yeah. I kind of think that um, Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton, she kind of alludes to that as well because her parents are so happily married. I feel like she also said, like, they gave me unrealistic expectations yeah, because her parents right. were so in love. Yeah. Funny. Good one. Um, so yeah, I think this is a great re- book to read anytime, but for me, it's that kind of get the blanket know, out, get Gilmore the woolly socks girls, on. Family vibes of autumn. Drama. That's what, that's what it screams to me. So that is my first record. Lauren, and like I- Gilmore Girls meets Little Women. Has there ever been a more autumnal slash winter book? Little Women <laughs> is very much in with Christmas, I feel um yeah over to you all right um well actually sticking to the vibe of like family secrets and character driven novels I'm going to suggest one we both loved a few years ago I think and we mentioned it in our coho versus tjr episode a while back but only briefly and I think we both agreed that this book is no side chick um it's silver (laughs) sparrow by Tayari jones oh Mm, yeah great so main synop is weirdly short and (laughs) I know because I know we usually have problems with really long ones so it was just there's no cutting involved here um so here we go 
Set in a middle-class neighbourhood in Atlanta in the 1980s, the novel revolves around James Witherspoon's families, the public one and the secret one. When the daughters from each family meet and form a friendship, only one of them knows they are sisters. It is a relationship destined to explode when secrets are revealed and illusions shattered. As Jones explores the backstories of her rich and flawed character, she also reveals the joy and the destruction they brought to each other's lives and at the heart of it all are the two girls who like whose lives are at stake and like the best writers jones portrays the fragility of her characters with raw authenticity as they seek love demand attention and try to imagine themselves as women i love this book me too and we both loved an american marriage that's honestly one of the best books ever ever so we were like ever stop period read Silver Sparrow, which is very different vibes and writing style, but both amazing. Um, yeah, but I guess there is like sort of that dual perspective as well. You get two people's perspectives, mm-hmm. don't you? Yeah. Um, so like you did with your record, Jess, I'll run through the complicated family dynamic here. So you've got James, who's the dad, and his daughters are Dana and Cherise. Only one knows of the other. And then his wives are Gwendolyn and Laverne. Um, And again, only one of them knows about the other. And then James's best friend is Uncle Rayleigh. And he knows about everything and everyone knows him. Oh, I just love family drama. And this is done so well with such an interesting concept. Like, I love the relationship between the sisters and how yeah. Dana should hate Sharice. Like, she's the first daughter, but then is the one that gets pushed aside and has to become the secretive family. But there's, like, this... She's so intrigued by the new family yeah. that she can't help but, like, be interested and slightly enthralled yeah. by I her. I mean, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's so cleverly done. And you're, like, team... Dana and then your team three because like the book switches between narrated the first half is narrated by one and the second half is from the other it's great yeah and I remember at the time reading it I was thinking that just as Dana and Sharice have to share a father Tayari Jones has also written a book so that they have to share like the narration of their lives as well and like you say halfway through the book for the first half, your team, Dana, and then for the second half, your team, Sharice. And I was quite surprised, like, how easily influenced I was from siding with one girl, then the other. Yeah, but then I do find that by the end of the book, you sort of reach a point where you don't, you're not on a side, you're on but yeah. like a joint side, because they're both victims of the dad's lies. Yeah. And they're both fighting for his love, um, which is just really sad. And also mm. the wives, like I really loved to yeah. understand the wives and how that works and so much family drama. I love it. Um, yeah, like I said, I think if you've read an American marriage, you'll get a lot out of this book. Yeah, totally. Um so that was my reco. Great. Do reco. you want to take us on Thank to the you next for bringing one? It to the pod. You're very welcome. Okay. I'm gonna turn things a bit darker. It is a spooky time. Or it's gonna be a spooky time. <laughs> and this book is Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death by Selena Godden. And I'm just gonna explain that title. <laughs> so Mrs. Death is her name, like when you get married and you become a missus. 
and then it's misses death like if you shoot and miss it'll be in the show that one up (laughs) (laughs) um anyway the synop for you drop it mrs death has had enough she is exhausted from spending eternity doing her job and now she seeks someone to unburden her conscience to wolf a troubled young writer is well acquainted with death but until now hadn't met death in person a black working class woman who shapeshifts and does her work unseen enthralled by her stories wolf becomes mrs death's scribe and begins to write her memoirs using their desk as a vessel and conduit wolf travels across time and place with mrs death to witness deaths of past and present and discuss what the future holds for humanity as the two reflect on the losses they have experienced or in the case of mrs death facilitated Their friendship grows into a surprising affirmation of hope, resilience, and love. All the while, despite her world weariness, death must continue to hold human fates in her hand, appearing in our lives when we least expect her. Oh, you're right. It is spooky. So death is personified as a person. Yeah. Death is a black woman. Okay. And then Wolf comes across her. And... I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. I was like, it sounds a bit, I don't what know, made it you like read complicate it? me. Um, I think I got an email from a publisher that would sort of explain the book. And I was like, okay. you know what? that sounds really good. And yeah, it's by Canon Gate. So nice. thanks, Canon Gate. Um, but it's just, I'm, I'm going to actually read a few bits to kind of get yeah, across okay. what it's like. So um, it's Mrs. Death. She's clearly a fictional character. <laughs> But she talks about real life deaths and makes a lot of real life references. So um, there's like mention of mass school shootings in the USA, USA um, drowning refugees, Grenfell, uh, Jack the Ripper, Myra Hindley. Oh, so God. it feels kind of real. But yeah. Obviously it isn't. Um, but then, you know, we'll, we hear about Wolf and his family and that's all very much fictional. And so it's this like clever balance of the two. But. The introduction of the book is pretty epic. Um, and actually, I ended up listening to the audiobook because I had a long drive to go on. And it's narrated by the author, who's a poet. And so a oh, lot love of this that. is like incredibly poetic. And some of them like are spoken word. poems. Oh, yeah. Cool. So the, it starts with disclaimer. This book contains dead people. This book cannot see the future. The book is dabbling in the past. This book is not about funerals, although funerals are mentioned. You do not have to wear black to read this work. You do not have to bring flowers. This book cannot change the ending or your ending or its own ending. This book does not know how to switch on the light at the end of the tunnel. And it sort of goes on about how all these things about the book. But then it also mentions real people in the introduction. It says... This book does not mention every person that has ever died. If you wish this book to have mentioned another death, we can only apologize now in advance for not (laughs) knowing which death or dead celebrity you wanted mentioned and celebrated in this book at the time of writing and printing. At the time of writing, this book mourns for Prince, David Bowie, Leonard Cohen, Toni Morrison and Aretha Franklin. And this book sincerely hopes there aren't any more inspirational human beings, bold souls, brave hearts and superheroes to add to that dead list before we go to print. Amen. Oh my God. (laughs) And so it's like quite funny as well but also really um like gives you a lot of a lot of food for thought and I am really actually gutted that I did listen to the audiobook while driving because I couldn't like scribble down all the like (laughs) profound things that were being said by you were full by the end of it were you I was um so I actually I think I'm definitely gonna either reread it again or listen to the audiobook again and like okay do like just feel all the feelings again and oh, nice. um, what kind of feelings? 
just like maybe audiobook wasn't the best because then I'd like tune off thinking about a really profound thing she said oh right and then have to be like brought back to the story yeah but she just like poses a lot of really interesting questions about like mortality and morality even and it's just really good and it's only like 300 pages like you could absolutely whiz through this and I just don't see enough people reading reading it or talking about it probably not helped by the cover you know it's a bit it looks a bit Greek mythologically actually well funny you should say that because that's what I thought it was yeah oh I kind of kind of gives off that vibe but I guess it does give off some sort of mythical vibe in that death is a person yeah exactly um did you read I know you listened to it but did um you listen to the author's note was there anything within that where she sort of explained why she wrote the book and probably so it feels like it she's so got a ago. strong message to say yeah. here right do you know what there is no author's note oh maybe the whole thing is, is her author's note I like that I like your yeah. thinking it's just really clever and cool. I think it's really cool. Interesting. <laughs> okay. I'm really glad you shared that one because I, um, yeah, I've not seen it that much no. other than your review. No, and I'm actually going to start championing it more because I kind of, until I pulled it off my shelf for this episode, forgot how cool it is. You champion that. I'm championing Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. For autumn. Which is funny to say. Okay, Lauren, you're up. I've just left everyone on a really great one. What are you going to chuck us? Oh, okay. So I'm taking us a step further into the darkness. Quite literally. I love it. (laughs) Quite literally and metaphorically um, with My Dark Vanessa. And so let's, before we go into it, here's the snob. All he did was fall in love with me and the world turned him into a monster. An era-defining novel about the relationship between a 15-year-old girl and her teacher. Vanessa was 15 years old when she had sex with her English teacher. She's now 32 and in the storm of allegations against the powerful men in 2017. The teacher, Jacob, has just been accused of sexual abuse by another former student. Vanessa is horrified by this news because she is quite certain that the relationship she had with her teacher wasn't abuse. It was love. She's sure of that. Forced to rethink her past, to revisit everything that happened, Vanessa has had to redefine the great love story of her life, her great sexual awakening as rape. Now she must deal with the possibility that she might be a victim and not, and just one of many. Oh, God. Right, yeah. Um, So this book isn't new. It came out in 2021, at the beginning of the year, I believe, and there's been a lot of buzz. I think it was 2020, because I think you read it in, like, when we first did book records. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah. Waterstones lied to me. Maybe that was the paperback. Maybe it was paperback. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> so there's been a lot of buzz and a lot Ooh. of hype about it. Um, and quite obviously, before we go into anything, there are trigger warnings in here for sexual abuse. So tread carefully if those topics are sensitive ones for you. Um, they aren't trigger areas for me, but even I found it a little bit too much at times. It really doesn't hold back in some of the like graphic language. And um, also, you you know, she's 15 and the stuff that, you know, of their relationship, you it, oh, it just made my skin crawl um, at times. 
but I also think that's to be expected quite obviously given the subject area and given the blurb it's a really harrowing story and um Stephen King called it a package of dynamite which I think is just so accurate and like I really like that visualization of like reading it as a package of dynamite that could explode at any minute um so so Vanessa's had this relationship with her English teacher Jacob since she was 15 she's now I think what 32 and it explores like the perspective of a woman who's obviously had this experience quite young and it's she's grown up with it and you know, that was her first ever sexual experience. So she's never questioned it and never seen it as something that was wrong or mm. rape or, you know, um, like it said in the blurb, it was like the greatest love story in her life. So it's kind of like, imagine like your, your first love and having to reframe it all at the age of 32 and see it as like something that was really quite scarring, quite traumatic and, you know, quote unquote, like wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, this so, is and she, kind yeah. of similar. Well, it's not kind of similar, but The Ice Cream Girls by Dorothy Coonson is the only similar book I've read. And it's about a teacher who oh, was right. in a relationship with two girls and so as a result, the two girls who were like when they were 14, 15 hated each other because they wanted to be the object of his but yeah. affection. Yeah. Well, and that's kind yeah. of but it's told from them as adults. Oh, right. Okay. So that's kind of the same thing. I don't want to give anything away, obviously, but like Vanessa does have like jealousy towards other girls that he gives attention to. And when she's yeah. older and at 32 and finds out she wasn't the only girl like she has some really complicated thoughts and feelings about that. Um, I guess because she's like, she's gone through this manipulation for all of her life. It's so deep rooted and it's all she's ever known. And she stays in touch with him as well. So it's not like it happened when she was 15 and then, you know, she got, you know, moved on. She stays in touch with him. And I just think it's right, like quite interesting that it explores like the pressure that's put on victims to come forward. Mm. And in doing so, it's like, you know, you'll help other women, but that responsibility shouldn't be on their shoulders when they've already had to go through that. Um, so it, it looks at that and it's also, you know, she's someone who didn't feel like that experience was a bad experience morally and ethically is it right to rewrite that experience for her and um bucket it or label it sorry as rape and I'm not saying that that's my opinion I'm just saying those are the sort of questions that start that the author's asking here is it an Mm. easy read in terms obviously like no not from the content but like it's written in a way that you kind of go through. Yeah, yeah. If you um, if you like dark books and you're okay with that topic area, you will breeze through it. Yeah, it's like a really compulsive, gripping read. It's a t- real t- page turner. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, it made me feel a bit sick. I wouldn't say I was a com- like. Yeah, it was one of those where you're like, oh, God, I really don't want to find, like, read on, but I do want to read on. 
Yeah, and I'm like then I a felt horror really... film. Yeah, like, ah, but you're looking yeah. through your fingers. Not me, because yeah. obviously I'm terrified of everything. But yeah, one that yeah, really likes horror. <laughs> so it's uncomfortable. It's challenging, but it's still a good book. And yeah. in the wake of like Me Too and everything, it's it's yeah, it raises important questions. Good one. Good one. Well, look, I feel like we nailed this episode with some great recos that may have gone under the radar. Well, not that last one, because that was fucking yeah. everywhere when it came out and I could have lost it. Yeah, true. Well, there you have it. The Burr months are here and hopefully these recos will help you all through it. I really hate that phrase. I literally just said it, but that is a fun title for the episode, like books for the Burr months. Damn it, that's great. That is great. The PR person would absolutely... Signs off. (laughs) Approved. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, then like, subscribe, leave a rating and review. It costs you nothing, but it genuinely means the world to us. And you could always share it with your reading buddy too. I bet they'd love it. And if you don't already, then subscribe to our newsletter at www.bookrecos.com for monthly recos that you might miss otherwise. See you next week. We'll be here.